Spreading the love worldwide. www.jesusinthemorningradio.com Look, Durham, I don't have an old church here, and, and I don't have a tambourine even. I, I don't have an old building, so I had to bring it along with me. Jake, start rolling now. I'll have my medicine now. Whether you are fully aware or not, you have placed something first in your life. Have you ever stopped to consider what occupies that prime spot in your heart and whether or not it truly deserves that honor? Today, I want to urge you to put God first in your life. Let us delve into God's Word to truly understand the profound impact of making Him the center of our lives. I am also going to pray a powerful prayer with you in the mighty name of Jesus. So watch until the end and open your hearts 
to receive the blessings of this prayer. Now consider this. Every decision, every action, and every thought reflects what we value most. The choices we make daily are a mirror to our soul's deepest desires and priorities. But, you know what? We should always ensure that we put God first in all that we do. When we truly place Him at the forefront of our lives, we experience a transformation so profound that our lives will never be the same. Today, I want to share with you nine essential truths to keep in mind as we seek to ensure that we've put God first in our lives. As we discuss these nine truths, I pray that each one will resonate deeply within you, guiding your path closer to God's heart. Remember, a life centered around God is not just rewarding. It's the very essence of true fulfillment in your life. Number one, understand the ultimate priority. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. This isn't a mere statement. It's a profound truth. Every day, life presents us with an array of choices. It's like being at a grand buffet with so many dishes to pick from. What do you prioritize? The world offers temporary pleasures, wealth, fame, luxury, and all the material stuff you can think of. But what does God offer? God offers himself, which covers everything. When we prioritize God, we aren't merely adding him to our list. We are placing him at the top. By aligning ourselves with God's purpose, our entire perspective shifts. Life's challenges, rather than appearing as insurmountable obstacles, become lessons. They evolve into opportunities for growth and self-discovery. And you know what's interesting? When we place God first, everything else falls into place. It's like that void we once had. It's filled, that deep emptiness within us. Like there's something missing, it's gone. Because when we place God first, we begin to find fulfillment in His love and purpose. It's one thing for me to tell you, but my friends, experiencing it for yourself is another thing. It's life-changing in a tangible way. Once you place God first and feel that fulfillment personally, no one can sway your conviction, just like no one can persuade me otherwise, because I felt and seen the power of God at work in my own life and in the lives of others. And that's what makes the Daily Jesus devotional community so unique on this platform. We aren't here for superficial reasons. We are deeply committed to spreading the gospel and transforming lives because we've witnessed God's power firsthand. Our team members have all walked that path. And we invite you daily to join us on this life-changing journey towards a deeper connection with God and to live a victorious life. And here's something else to think about. Remember the story of Noah and the ark? God told Noah to build an enormous boat because a flood was coming. People laughed and thought Noah was silly, but Noah listened to God, put him first, and built the ark. 
When the flood came, Noah and his family were safe. Just like Noah, when we listen to God and put him first, we're protected and guided. Even when things get tough or confusing, having God as our top priority helps us stay strong, hopeful, and filled with peace. So, let's be like Noah and keep choosing God and putting him first. With God leading the way, our lives are always on the right track. Number two, there is the gravity of idolatry. As the book of Exodus warns us, in chapter 20, verse 3, You shall have no other gods before me. On the surface, this may sound straightforward. Most of us might say, I don't worship idols. So this doesn't apply to me. But let's dig deeper. Idolatry isn't just about bowing to statues. It's about what occupies the throne of our heart. Is it money? Career? Relationships? Social status? Oftentimes, Without even realizing it, these things take God's place in our lives. Every time we prioritize our desires, our fears, or the world's approval over God's voice, we place something else in His rightful position. Sometimes it may be unintentional, but that still doesn't change the reality. It's therefore essential to regularly examine our hearts and realign our priorities by recognizing and dethroning these idols in our lives, we clear a path for God to take his rightful place. Let's think about the story of Jonah for a moment. Most of us are familiar with this story. Jonah tried to run from God's command, prioritizing his own feelings and fears over God's guidance. He ended up in the belly of a big fish. Yet, in that dark place, Jonah found clarity. He prayed and turned his heart back to God. And God, in his endless mercy, gave Jonah another chance. Just like Jonah, we too can find ourselves in tricky situations when we let other things take the place of God in our lives. But the beautiful thing is that God always gives us a way back. If we take a moment, refocus, and push aside the idols that have crept into our lives, we can begin to experience the joy and peace that comes from truly putting God first. Our God is faithful and full of mercy. After all, as Psalm 37 verse 4 reminds us, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. This Bible verse offers us a promise worth holding on to. Number three, know about the transformative power of divine guidance. Proverbs beautifully echoes this in chapter 3, verses 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean, not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. This isn't mere advice. It's a life principle. In our journey through life, we often come across crossroads, moments of uncertainty and periods of darkness. We all do. It's in these moments that our human understanding feels woefully inadequate. But there's a promise awaiting us. We are promised of God's divine guidance. When we fully trust in God and acknowledge Him, He doesn't just enlighten our path. He leads us by the hand. This guidance isn't about merely avoiding pitfalls. 
It's about being directed towards a life of abundance and purpose. It's about embracing a journey where every turn, every twist, and every pause has divine intent behind it. Reflecting on the story of David and Goliath offers profound insight into divine guidance. As a young shepherd boy, David faced the towering giant, Goliath. By human understanding, David had no chance. He was not a trained soldier, and he did not have the size or strength of Goliath. But David wasn't relying on his own understanding. He trusted in the Lord. In the book of 1 Samuel 17, verse 45, with a simple sling and five smooth stones, he confronted the giant, saying, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. With God's guidance, David defeated Goliath and demonstrated that divine guidance and trust in the Lord could overcome even the most insurmountable challenges. This story encourages us to remember that when we trust in God's guidance, when we put God first, we can face our giants, no matter how big they seem. God is always ready to guide us, making our paths straight and leading us to victory. Number four, reordering our priorities is crucial. In Luke 10 verses 41 to 42, we find a lesson on priorities. When Jesus told Martha, 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 you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. He was pointing out the essence of priorities. Life is bustling, filled with tasks, responsibilities, and distractions. In the midst of this, it's easy to forget the most crucial aspect, our spiritual well-being. The dishes will always be there. The laundry will pile up again, and the emails will keep coming. But the moments that we spend at the feet of Jesus, those are irreplaceable. It's a lesson for all of us. While we shouldn't neglect our chores and responsibilities, it's vital to ensure they don't overshadow our relationship with God. By regularly reordering our priorities, we ensure a balanced, fulfilling life where both spiritual and worldly responsibilities are harmoniously balanced. Taking a leaf from the book of Psalms, we are reminded in Psalm 46 verse 10, Be still and know that I am God in our fast-paced world. Stillness is often overlooked, yet it's in these quiet moments that we can genuinely connect with God and hear His voice. Think of the story of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19. After witnessing powerful events like fire and earthquake, God's voice came to him, not in the grand spectacles, but in a gentle whisper. This emphasizes the importance of quiet moments, away from the clatter and clamor of daily life. By making time for God in our busy schedules, by being still and listening, we give him the space to speak to our hearts and guide us. This doesn't mean quitting our jobs or abandoning our chores. It means setting aside purposeful moments each day, even if it's just a few minutes to sit in his presence. And as we do, our priorities naturally find their rightful order. With God at the center, number five, the joy of a God-centered life. 
Psalm 16 verse 11 states, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. How beautiful is that promise. The world offers pleasures. Yes, but they are temporary. They are like bursts of flavor that quickly fade away. God's joy, on the other hand, is eternal. It sustains, strengthens, and renews. A God-centered life is similar to dwelling in a perpetual spring. Even in the midst of challenges, there's an underlying current of joy. This joy isn't rooted in circumstances, but in a deep-seated relationship with the Creator. With God at the center, life becomes an exciting journey, filled with wonder, adventure, and profound joy. Reflecting on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, we see Him proclaiming in Matthew 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This purity of heart translates to a life free from the entanglements of worldly distractions and temptations. A heart devoted solely to God. Such a heart sees God, not just in grand miracles, but in everyday moments. The smile of a child, the beauty of a sunset, or the kindness of a stranger. A God-centered life brings clarity, like the clear waters of a still pond. Everything becomes a reflection of God's love and goodness. Every experience, good or bad, is an opportunity to draw closer to Him. And in this closeness, in this intimacy with the divine, we find the deepest and most enduring joy. It's a joy that goes beyond mere happiness. It's a joy that resonates in the depths of one's soul, regardless of what's happening around us. Number six, be confident about God's provision and promise. The promise in Philippians 4 verse 19 is a beacon of hope. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. When we prioritize God, it doesn't mean forsaking our needs, desires, or dreams. Rather, it's entrusting them to someone who knows us better than we know ourselves. God's provision isn't about just fulfilling our needs. It's about exceeding them. It's not about giving us what we want, but what we truly need. Imagine a loving father looking at his child. He doesn't just provide for the child's basic needs, but delights in giving gifts, surprises, and blessings. That's how God views us. By placing Him first, we tap into an infinite reservoir of blessings that flow from His throne. Number seven, know the outcome of a divided heart. James 1 verses 6 to 8 cautions. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Duality is a challenge. Trying to balance between God and the world creates instability. Like trying to stand on two boats, drifting in opposite directions. By serving two masters, we become spiritually lukewarm. Neither here nor there, but by giving God our undivided heart, we find solidity, stability, and purpose. Our choices become clear, 
our path becomes defined and our destiny becomes aligned with his perfect will. Number eight, understand life's true purpose. Have you ever grappled with the whole thought of why you are here? Ecclesiastes 12 verse 13 sums up the essence of our existence and it says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man amidst the noise of the world. It's easy to lose sight of our true purpose. Are we here just to live, earn, spend and then fade away? Or is there a higher purpose to our lives, a divine calling by honoring God and following his commandments? We align ourselves with this higher purpose. Life then isn't just about living. It's about thriving. It's about making a difference, touching lives, and leaving a legacy of faith, hope, and love. Embracing this truth brings clarity to our journey in life and adds meaning to every step we take. So remember, we are here to fear God and keep His commandments. And to do this, we have to put God first. Number nine, know about the unmatched reward. Jesus made a profound promise in Mark 10, verses 29 to 30. And Jesus answered and said, Verily, I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time. Houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands, with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. So this isn't a transactional relationship. It's a covenant. When we prioritize God, the rewards aren't just spiritual. They manifest in our everyday lives. We will notice that blessings, favor, open doors, and divine connections become a part of our daily experiences. Above all, the promise of eternal life awaits us. It's an eternity, not just of existence, but of joy, love, and unparalleled communion with God. And does this mean that we won't ever face opposition, discrimination, or persecution because of our faith? No, it doesn't mean that either. Jesus consistently taught that following him might lead to suffering, and this scripture also underscores that message. However, amidst these challenges, when we put God first, we are also assured of victory through Christ, who strengthens and uplifts us in every trial. In other words, the enemy won't have the final say. God does. Let us look again at the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. After squandering his inheritance and living a life away from his father, the son decides to return home, expecting rebuke. He is instead met with an overwhelming embrace and celebration from his father. This story illustrates God's grace and the unmatched reward awaiting those who return to him. Just like the father who throws a grand celebration for his returned son, God celebrates each of us. The reward is not based on our worthiness, but on his boundless love. Know that every sacrifice made, every challenge faced in the name of faith, 
is recognized and rewarded by God. And beyond the material and tangible, there lies the profound peace and joy of knowing we are cherished and valued. The rewards God offers aren't just for a moment. They echo into eternity, shaping our existence beyond this life. Now, in Revelation 3 verse 20, God extends an open invitation saying, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. This isn't about a distant God up in the heavens. It's about a loving Father at our doorstep, waiting to be invited in. It's up to us to make that choice, to open our hearts and let Him reign supreme in our lives. Consider this. The beauty of the gospel lies in its power to transform. When we embrace these truths and place God at the pinnacle of our priorities, our lives experience a profound transformation. So if you believe that you have placed God first in your life and there is no positive transformation, you need to do some introspection and ask for God's guidance and always remember to be patient and trust God's timing. By making God our utmost priority, we move from merely going through the motions to living with purpose and intent and those challenges we encounter. They evolve into opportunities for growth. As for the blessings, expect them to manifest as daily miracles in your life. The promise is clear. Put God first in your life, and your life will undoubtedly never be the same. Now, to all those within the sound of my voice, let us go to the Lord in prayer. I want you to pray this prayer with me, so that you can have all the blessings of this prayer. Let us pray to our gracious and loving God, Everlasting Father, Almighty God. You are the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the creator of heaven and earth. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I give you all the glory, honor, and praise. Lord, I am grateful for your faithful promises your amazing grace, your everlasting love, and your mercies that endures forevermore. Lord, I thank you for the gift of life, and I thank you for the many blessings you have given to me. Father, I humbly approach your throne of grace, acknowledging my sins, my mistakes, and my shortcomings. Forgive me of my trespasses as I also forgive all those who have trespassed against me. Lord, forgive me for the times I've placed other things above you. For moments, I've let the pleasures of this world distract me from your eternal promises. In the mighty name of Jesus, I declare that every chain of idolatry and distraction in my life is broken, and I rebuke every spirit of confusion and worldly temptation that tries to pull me away from your presence by the authority of the blood of Jesus. I claim emotional, physical, and spiritual healing over every part of my being. I declare in the name of Jesus that the same power that resurrected Christ from the dead flows through my veins 
revitalizing and renewing my spirit, mind, and body. Merciful Father, I pray for divine protection over my life and the life of my loved ones. Lord, I ask that you command your mighty angels to stand guard around us, shielding us from all harm or evil. Father, you are our provider, and I ask for your abundant blessings to overflow in our lives. May you guide our paths and draw us closer to you. Lord, help us to prioritize you above all things and experience the fullness of joy that only you can give. Father, as I say this prayer, together with everyone listening, I thank you for each heart that is humbled before you right now. For those who are feeling lost, may you be their saving grace and guiding light. For those who are burdened, may your Holy Spirit be their comforter and grant them peace. For those struggling with their priorities, may you grant them the conviction to put you first and the discernment to choose what truly matters. And for those in need of your touch, may you bring them healing, vitality, and restoration. Heavenly Father, we come into agreement as a faith-filled community, and we thank you for the rewards and benefits you have promised us. In your word, we ask for the strength and wisdom to always seek your kingdom first, to reorder our priorities, and to embrace the joy and transformation that comes from your divine guidance. Lord, I thank you for hearing and answering my prayer. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray, Amen. If you were blessed by this message, type the word Amen in the comments section. This recording is provided by Times Square Church in New York City. You're welcome to make additional copies for free distribution to friends. All other unauthorized duplication or electronic transmission is a violation of copyright and other applicable laws. This recording cannot be posted on any website. However, written permission to link to the Times Square Church homepage may be requested by emailing info at timesquarechurch.org. Other recordings are available by calling 1-800-488-0854 or by writing to Times Square Church Tape Ministry, 1657 Broadway, New York, New York, 10019. I have a prophetic word this morning. Uh, it's been quite a while since the Lord has entrusted me to bring a prophetic message, but this is very strong on my heart. I want you to turn to Isaiah 24. Isaiah 24, my message, in one hour, everything's going to change. In one hour. 24th chapter of Isaiah. I'm going to read just the first few verses. Then you leave your Bible open because I'm going to keep coming back to this. It's, the prophecy is all here. It's not my prophecy. It's, I, it's the Lord's prophecy given through Isaiah, his holy prophet. Behold, the Lord maketh the earth empty and maketh it waste and turns it upside down and scatters abroad the inhabitants thereof. It shall be as with the people, so with the priest, as with the servant, so with his master. With the maid, so with her mistress, as with the buyer, the seller, as with the lender, the borrower, as with the taker of usury, so the giver of usury. Land shall be emptied and spoiled, for the Lord has spoken this word. 
Father, in love and brokenness, I come to this congregation with something that you placed on my heart, something prophesied many, many years ago, aimed at this very generation and this time. Lord, I pray that you awaken our hearts, that, that we would not tremble, we would not fear, but we would trust your word to bring strength to us. Now, Lord, come upon me by your Holy Spirit. Let me speak the word of the living God with confidence and faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God, through the prophet Isaiah said, a time is coming. God said, I'm going to turn everything upside down. And the scripture makes it very clear. It says, Behold, the Lord maketh the earth empty and maketh it waste and turneth it upside down. There's a sudden judgment coming to this world. And it's at the door. And I want you to hear what the prophet Isaiah is saying. It's not my message. Now, if you're tied to this world, if you're in love with the things of this world, then you are not walking with the Lord. You're not wanting to hear. You will not want to hear this. And you may want to just cast it aside and say, well, I'll endure this message. It, 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 and even if you are a born-again Christian, if you love the Lord and you're close to Him, if you didn't believe that this is the pure Word of God, there may be a tendency not to take it serious. But this is the Word of God. It is not man's prophecy. There are a lot of prophecies going forth in the world, and, and they are, uh, I don't know whether you would call them scripturally based or not, but this is Scripture. This is the living Word of God. And if you believe this is the pure Word of God, then you have to open your heart to what the prophet Isaiah has to say this morning. In one hour, the world is going to change, the Scripture says. In fact, when you get to Revelation 8, chapter, John warned in one day, death and mourning, yea, in one hour, an utter burning and judgment will come. That's the 18th chapter of Revelation. And it confirms that this is going to happen. Jesus said it's going to be when all men cry peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes. A sudden Unexpected destruction comes from the hand of the Lord. Isaiah warns that there, he mentions the city. In fact, a number of prophets do, but most uh, eminent Bible scholars, and I've checked through my library, and they believe, as I do, that this prophecy that we're hearing this morning from Isaiah is, at, is, is directed to this generation. And in just a moment, I'll enlarge on that and tell you why I believe we can pinpoint it into our very generation, our time. In one day, in one hour, and he says at that time, there, there was going to be a great burning. Now, secular prophets and those in homeland security, whether it's in the United States or England or Germany, all over the world now, they, they are saying that, that there is going to come a nuclear accident or a nuclear holocaust coming to a city. They often name New York City. You, you know what's happened here. We lived through the 9-11 experience. And you could look out of the apartment, especially where we are, and you could see the burning and see the fire and the smoke ascending to heaven. And a few weeks ago, remember the eruption 
of the steam pipe and uh, the earth opened up and swallowed a truck and you saw pictures of people running everywhere and they're screaming, is this it, is this it? They're thinking nuclear. And the scripture says, when you go through Isaiah, the 24th chapter, it, it says that the gates are going to be dissolved. The gates are going to be uh, devastated. That means the exits and entrances. We don't know where it is. The city is named and a burning and a fire is mentioned here. I've been prophesying for a number of years that uh, of something I saw when I was on the street and in, on Broadway and 42nd Street, and it's come back to me many, many times of a thousand bur fires burning in this particular city we, in which we live. But you see, I don't know where it is. He doesn't name the city, but he does say that there, there, there is going to be a sudden destruction that's going to change everything. The world is going to change in one hour. The church is going to change in one hour, and we as individuals are going to change in one hour. Now, this message is not to frighten, because if, if you're confident that you're saved and under the blood of Christ and redeemed, you know that anything like this happens, it's instant glory. We pass from life into death. And like the Apostle Paul said, we should be of this mindset, that we thank God for this world. We thank God for our life. But... Our preference is to go and be with Christ. That should be the desire in your heart. The scripture said the fear of death is a dominion. It's a terror. And Paul said you've lived all your life that way. But he said God says he doesn't want to live that way. He wants to deliver us from the fear of death. And if we lose the fear of death through trusting in Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, we will not fear no matter what happens. What the newscast is, what anybody says, or a message such as this, you, you will only be moved to awaken to what the, the Lord says to do. And let me not get ahead of myself here. We don't know where this is going to happen. First of all, the hour is going to come when the whole world is going to change. Now, eminent Bible scholars believe that chapter 24 and 25 of Isaiah have to do with our time this very day. A sudden cataclysmic event is going to strike, and the Bible, Isaiah says, the lofty, this is 26 verse 5, the lofty, meaning the proud city, will be laid low even to the ground. Bible, then, according to the prophet, there is utter chaos. And folks, you can go out in the street here on this Sunday afternoon, go right outside the door on a sunny day, and say, how could it happen that in one hour there could be such confusion where government can't do anything about it, societal agencies can't do anything about it, because even when 9-11 struck this city, they came from all over the world. They poured in from all the United States, firemen, police officers, and helpers. And uh, there was uh, armies of people wanting to help. But, folks, this cataclysmic event makes very, is made very clear in the Scripture is going to be beyond human ability to cope with. And, and even now, we, we listen to our secular prophets, and they, they talk about trying to prepare. But there, there is... There's coming a day that in one hour, society changes. A whole world changes. 
Bible says the merchants will weep and weep and wail and cry because no one is buying their merchandise. They're all sellers and no buyers. This past week, the <clears throat> director or the CEO of a large fund put his 142-foot yacht for sale. His 16-bedroom house in Aspen went up for sale because his high-risk funds are fading and he's in deep trouble and it happened overnight. And, and now all of these risk funds, mortgage companies going bankrupt left and right. And, and we are facing an incredible monster economic upheaval. I've been warning about that. I stood in this pulpit a year ago, this Sunday, I think it was, or, or within one or two Sundays, warning about the mortgage market and telling people if you're flipping houses and you don't know how to do that, you're not a real estate agent, get out. We warned about that. And because you say, well, why warn? What's the purpose of that? Why don't you just wait till that happens? Why live on any kind of anxiety? Why put this burden upon us? But remember what Jesus said when he first saw the destruction of Jerusalem. He said, There's going to be a, this city is going to burn to the ground. And he said, I'm telling you now so that when it happens, you'll believe. You'll believe that there is a God who so loved you. He warns you. And, and he, he said, that there's going, this, this, this city is going to the ground and there won't be one stone left upon another in the temple. And Jesus warned. He said, I'm warning you for a reason. So that when it happens, when you see these things come out, you will understand that you were loved. And Paul the Apostle, when he's talking about this sudden destruction, he called that information light. He said, you're members of the body walking in light. You're getting Holy Ghost insight. He said, you're not in the darkness. You won't walk in darkness. So that when these sudden things come, and, and there's panic all around you. There's going to be something happen to you by the Holy Spirit. There's going to be something that quickens you and say, Well, my God warned me. There were true, true words that came forth from the pulpit, and we were, we were warned. Even though in this day of prosperity, nobody wants to hear it. I don't want to hear it. But folks, it is here, and I'll tell you why this message is being brought forth this morning before I close. He said the dreams are going to fade. He, he goes on to say that the music is going to fade, the, the, the zithers or the guitars, and, and the, the, uh, there's, there's going to be such a change. Everything's going to change in this world in one hour. If, if there were a nuclear attack on Jerusalem or Tel Aviv, any city in Israel, I told you about the Samson option. And, and they have such a radar system. They have such protective uh, equipment that as soon as a missile's released toward Israel, within moments, they have about a minute, maybe a minute and a half, according to some experts, and retaliatory missiles would hit and strike and wipe out every enemy of Israel. Folks, I'm going to talk to you in just a moment about why 
I believe that the, that the prophet Isaiah is talking about our day. First of all, by the growing number of prophets warning of an apocalyptic moment coming. Now, when I talk about prophets, I'm not talking about just church prophets. I'm talking about secular prophets. Because God uses secular prophets. These are experts. These are scientists. And remember in the scripture, God said of, of Assyria, Assyria is my rod against Israel to correct them. In other words, Assyria is doing my will. I am speaking through Assyria to my people. And remember also about Cyrus. The scripture said of Cyrus, he's a heathen king. And when you get to Amos, Amos the prophet said, Cyrus is, God speaking through him, said, Cyrus is my shepherd and he's doing my bidding. So when, when you hear all of these secular uh, scientists and all of these these are not church people. These are not religious people. They're, they are saying it's at the door. Uh, what about the sensuality? What about all of this nonchalance? What about this racing for money and gold and greed? Wall Street has become the greediest source of, of, of vile corruption in man's history. They have taken this nation into such risk and such debt, debt, there is no way out of it. And we live right at the foot of, it's right at the, just blocks away from where I'm preaching this morning. And the second reason, you, you see, what I'm preaching this morning is mild compared to what I hear now. Is that right or wrong? What you hear in the news and what you hear constantly fed so that we just want to turn it off. But you see, God moves. God moves in <clears throat> these, these are the warning times when prophets are speaking because the Scripture says the Lord <clears throat> will do nothing until He speaks through His prophets, through Amos. God said, I don't do anything until I warn through my prophets. And the second reason why... I believe we can assume that what Isaiah is warning speaks to our generation. God always moves in judgment. He always acts when the cup of violence overflows. Violence. Now, folks, let me speak plainly to you from the depths of my soul. I'm not a prophet. I've never claimed to be a prophet. I'm a watchman just one of many. But listen to me now. There is no greater violence in the sight of God than the violence of pedophiles. Those who are raping children. Those who are stealing children right off the streets and taking them to, to the Far East and putting them in brothels in India and all the, the Far East. And, and here in the United States, an entire church denomination paying hundreds of millions of dollars to settle lawsuits because their little children were sodomized. Folks, when you turn to Darfur, you find that hundreds and even thousands of little children were shedded to death. When you think of the thousands and thousands of babies aborted in the United States and around the world, and that blood cries from the ground, and the Bible says God destroyed Noah's age, 
because the earth was filled with violence. And God said, I can't handle it anymore. I can't take it. I will not take it. And he was patient for 120 years of strong, faithful preaching, a prophetic word. And then God saw. And folks, I believe now, think of the, the murdering in our schools, the, the terrorizing of our children. You can harden. What are we doing? Getting hardened to the news? Does it not move us anymore? I can tell you it moves the heart of God. And I believe that blood cries from the ground. How long do you think God will endure? How long do you think God will put up with this? Even here now, on the internet, a pedophile is taking pictures and, and telling pedophiles where to go to find the children where it's easiest to pick up a child. And he's allowed to do it and had, can't be stopped. Folks, that's all going to change. This is all going to change in one hour. Secondly, sudden destruction... <clears throat> when it comes, is going to change the church. In one hour, the church is going to change. It's going to change dead churches. It's going to change live churches. The prophet pictures a great shaking as though God took an olive tree that had already been harvested, and he begins to shake it. In other words... There, there's been a harvest, but there's still, God said, I'm going to shake everything that can be shaken. I'm, I'm going to turn everything upside down, according to the prophet. In this time of shaking, though, something is going to happen that's so incredible. If you have your Bibles open, I want you to go to verse 14. Now, before you do that, don't get ahead of me, please. Look this way. Now, remember, this is a time of... of cataclysmic devastation. This is a time that's so incredibly dark. This is a time of fire. And in the middle of that, what about God's people? What's happening in the church? The apostasy is going to change overnight. Everything that we see that is wrong in the church of Jesus Christ is going to change. But in the house of God, there's going to be a revival. And I want you to see it, folks. And if you, it, it, this one, I, I saw it and began to pray over it and began to study and do my research on this. See, this is not, I didn't get along with God and pray and say, God, talk to me. Put in my head what's going to happen. I have people all over the world, wherever I travel, say, Brother Dave, you speak of prophetic. What's, what's next? What's coming? I said, I don't know. I don't know. I go to my Bible, and if God speaks it through His Word, then I believe it, and then I'll preach it. So I see this, and it makes me shout. I know what's coming, and you know what's coming, but folks think God's interest is in His church, in the church of Jesus Christ, His overcoming church. And the Bible said in the middle of this, there's going to be a song rise up. From the islands of the sea, from the uttermost parts of the world, there's going to be a song rise up in the middle of all of this. Look at it, verse 14. 
Then shall they lift up. First, verse 13. When thus it shall be in the midst of the land among the people. There's going to be a great shaking. What's happening during the shaking? Verse 13. Verse 14. Then they. In other words, they shall lift up their voice. They shall sing for the majesty of the Lord. They shall cry aloud from the sea. Wherefore glorify you the Lord in the fires. Did you hear it? <laughs> there should be an amen coming from the glory of your soul. Because in the middle of the fire, God's going to have a people who are not in panic. God is going to have a people that are going to praise the majesty of Almighty God. He said, in the fires you will sing. There's a song coming to the church of Jesus Christ. Folks, we're not going down. We're going up. We are going up. There shall be a song in the midst of the fire. <clears throat> Verse 16, for the, from the uttermost part of the earth have we heard what? Not weeping, not groaning, not murmuring, not complaining, not agonizing. That you hear a song coming from China, and then you hear it from India. You hear it coming out of the tribes of Africa, out of Darfur. Out of every nation, it's coming from every island of the sea. It's coming from the United States and Canada, South America, the whole world, the uttermost part of the world. I hear a song, the prophet said. I hear, a, I hear people who are facing calamity. I hear people that uh, seemingly have no hope. And there's a song. There's a choir. We heard over 150 voices here this morning singing. Can you imagine the great sound that was coming out of the 150? Can you imagine millions and millions of people around the world singing the song when this hour comes? Coming in the darkest time of all. I, I, I believe that, <clears throat> that something's going to happen among our youth, especially college students. You understand that for for the past ten years, especially our children, our young people are going into colleges and their faith is being robbed. That ungodly atheistic teachers and professors have our young people as prisoners for three, four, five, and six years, and they keep bombarding them till there's no faith. They they leave believing there is no God. Till like in Sweden, eighty percent of the people now say the population that there's no God. Don't believe in God. 20% believe in God. And many, many students. And folks, I believe that's going to change because in one hour, when everybody is waking and when the world is shaking and trembling, those professors are going to be looking for somebody to give them a word. Prosperity preachers are going to get their Bibles out looking for something to say to the people, saying, what's happened? Why didn't you warn us? But I believe that in that time, everything in college is going to change. Oh, yes. All the survivors. You see, this is not, I'm not talking about the end of the world. There's still ahead. There's, the, 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 things are going to change in one hour. But there's still, we're talking about in the future beyond that, the Antichrist. And, but you see, the Antichrist can't come to power until there's chaos. 
It has to come out of chaos. Hitler came out of chaos. The Antichrist is going to come out of a chaotic world where he, there, there is something of wisdom, there's something given to him, a demonic power that brings people some kind of hope. I'm talking about the secular world. But folks, this is all about to change. And the Bible says we as individuals are going to change. In one hour, we're going to have our focus in life changed. Our entire focus. We will no longer be obsessing about our own problems and adversities. We won't be, we won't be focused on me. We won't be focused on our problems. As serious as they are and, and as challenging as they may be, God, it's very clear. This will not be our focus. That's all going to be changed. Everything that was once dear to us, it's, it's no longer going to have value other than those things that are the spirit and of love and of Christ. Things that we held dear are, are going to be held and absolutely are going to vanish by this, meaning the calamity, shall the iniquity of Jacob be purged when he turns all the stones into dust. This is Isaiah 27, 9. He said, I'm going to take all the idols. And he said, by this, in other words, this great cataclysmic event is going to bring down all the idols. All the idols are going to be crushed to stone, is what the Bible says. Here's the promise from the book of Isaiah, 27th chapter. He said, in that day, all the idols will be trampled to dust. They're not going to, the last thing the world's going to be talking about is sports. I have nothing in sports. I like sports. I'm a football fan. But, you know, the Bible says there's not going to be any more $250 million settlement for these people in a starving world. He says it's all going to change. It goes even deeper than that. Let me find it here in the Scripture. It shall be... Here's where we're going to be in a level field. Listen to this very please. And it shall be as with the people, so with the priest, as with the servant, so with his master, as with the maid, so with his mistress, or the buyer and the seller, as with the lender and the buyer. Everything will be brought to a same level. Whether it's presidents, world leaders, those in poverty, all going to face the same struggles, the same conditions. <clears throat> Nothing will There'll be no respect to your persons. Are you ready for some comfort? <laughs> I said, are you ready for some comfort? Folks, I don't like to preach like this. For the last six weeks, I've preached nothing but grace. I risk people getting mad. Every time I've had to preach much like this, people leave. But one day I stand before God. And he said, if you see these things coming and you don't warn, the blood's on your hand. And I read that and tremble. 
there should be no one that comes to Times Square Church surprised. You don't sit around waiting for things to happen. But let me tell you what Paul the Apostle said. I want you to follow this very closely before I close. Paul said, He has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we wake or sleep, whether we, we, we will live together with Him. He said, Comfort yourself. He, he's talking about sudden destruction. He's talking about time that we're going to be with the Lord. And he said, I want you to comfort one another. Comfort one another. And he said, whether we live or die. And folks, that's where we have to come to right now. You, you, you watch the news in the next 30 days, and especially the next two weeks. Listen to, to what's happening to the economy. Listen and just remember God speaking. Not to make you afraid, but to prepare your heart. He said, you're to put on the breastplate of faith. This is Paul the Apostle said, in these times, when we live under the threat of a sudden destruction or the knowledge of a sudden destruction coming on the earth, when, when, when this has been told to us and when we see it and we hear it, he, he said, you're not to tremble, you're not to sorrow as the world sorrows. He said, no. He, he said, you go about comforting one another and speak to one another saying, live or die, we're the Lord's. Now it comes down to this. Going to your friends, going to the body of Christ, one after the other, shake hands, and look right in the eye, and say, live or die, we're the Lord's. That's what Paul said. You're going to encourage one another and say, we live or die, we will go and live with Christ. We are headed for eternal life in Christ. Folks, I'm asking God, and I, I more and more, you say, well, you can come to that because... You're old man now. But you see, I'm coming to a place now where I'm not going to live in fear. I don't live in fear. I want to be here in the United States. I want to be here in New York City if anything happens to this city. I want to be here in the middle of it. And I don't want the fear of death to have dominion over me. And you can't have freedom. You can't have freedom until you comfort yourself with the Word of God, saying, I will, whatever happens, if it happens tomorrow, bless God, I'm going to be shouting on the streets of glory with all the saints of God. I'm going to pass from death into life. This, we're not to live in fear. We're not to live in bondage. You say, well, Brother Dave, you already put us in fear, and now you're trying to get us out of it. No, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Glory be to God. I, I, my message today is that there's a song coming out of this. And if you leave this building, if you leave this building discouraged, if you walk out of here and say that's nothing but gloom and doom, yes, it is on a human level. But on a spiritual level, it's life eternal. It's life. And I just have a secret thought in my heart. It's probably just David Wilkerson's thoughts. But I have a feeling, just as before 9-11, the Holy Spirit moved in this church and other congregations and warned us. There were moments of silence. Sometimes 15 minutes we sat in this church just before the blast. And God was speaking to us not to be afraid. And I, it's going to be different this time. I believe that if something is going to happen in this city or wherever it happens, 
the saints of God are going to be quickened by the Holy Spirit, and there's going to be some singing and shouting and praising of God to encourage the body to strengthen their spirit. Now get up on your feet. I bind the spirit of fear in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. He's not given us the spirit of fear, but love and power and a sound mind. Folks, I've got the Holy Ghost all over me right now. I have the Holy Spirit upon my soul. He wants to come upon you. The Holy Spirit wants to quicken you. Take the fear out of your heart. You young people that are in the choir, the young people that are listening to me right now, there is a future. The whole world thinks there's no future. Folks, this is just the beginning of our future. This is just the beginning of our future. Hallelujah. I feel good. There are going to be a lot of people listening to this tape, tuned it out too quick. They turned it off. They should have stayed. And listened to the praises and the shouts of God's people in this house. Hallelujah. There shall be a song. Somebody asked you this afternoon or tomorrow next week, what did Pastor Dave preach? You say, revival. A song in a hard time. And I've got to say this in closing. Listen very carefully, please. You're to sing in your present fire, in your adver- ad- adversity, in your hard time, financial, whatever it may be. You've got to get a song. You say, does God expect me to sing? Oh, I don't care what it is. There should be that little quiet. There's something very quiet and steadfast in the soul that sings, great is our God. See, he said they're going to sing about the majesty of God. Great is our God. Folks, I walk these streets and I sing. I sing in spite of, of, of crises. I sing in spite of all those things. There's something God puts in the heart. You've got to get your song now. That'll be too late. Get it now. Get a hold of your song. There's a song in the night, but there's a song in the fire. Some of you are in a fire. The Bible says, build up your faith. The Apostle Paul said, put on the breastplate of hope, uh, of faith and love and hope. Oh, praise God for the hope that is in our hearts. Now, we have a, a space here in the front of the church. We, we refer to it as the altar, another place to meet God. And I invite you, if you're here this morning, and God has spoken to you. You see, uh, God's not interested in you changing your life through fear, but through hope. And that's what this meeting is all about, hope. And you're here this morning and your hope has been staggered because you're going through a crisis in your life. 
And you say, well, Brother Dave, everybody's got some kind of a crisis. But I'm talking about a, a real serious thing that, that only God could give you a song. And there's been some, we call it the blues or depression. If you're standing here with the sound of my voice in the annex upstairs here, wherever we're at in this audience, and you need a touch, an absolute touch of God. You need the spirit of fear to be broken in you. So you can walk out of this building. Maybe that fear is because you're not walking with Christ as you did or should. Maybe you've drifted away. Maybe you walked in here and you've never known what it is to have what people call a new birth. Or you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. I invite you to get out of your seat. Upstairs, wherever you are, and even the balcony, in the annex, you can go to the lobby and they'll show you how to get down here in the front of this church. And we will pray for you. You can come even while I'm talking. Just get out of your seat, up the balcony, go to the stairs on either side and come down. We're going to believe God for a, a tremendous uh, change. If everything so change in our, this can change you in the next five minutes. There could be a change in your life and the Lord can cleanse you, change your direction and bring hope and life to your whole, your body, soul, mind, and spirit. Heavenly Father, I pray that you walk through this congregation, move through this congregation and find everyone that needs a miracle, a life-changing miracle. And those who would believe with us, would believe with us for that change in Jesus' name. And while they're singing, just get out of your seat, up in the balcony, come and join us here. We'll pray and we'll believe God for you and with you. If you don't know Christ, if you've drifted from Christ, follow these that are coming. Now, there's some, maybe many of you here this morning, worried and fretting. Pastor Dave, what do I, what do, I do in the future? If some of these things you're talking about even begin to happen, what do we do? What about my house, my mortgage, all of these things? The Lord comes to us with a message that casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. Can, can you imagine a God who has flung into the cosmos, not just this one uh, world that we're living in, not this one galaxy, but you understand that there are millions and billions of galaxies beyond ours. The, the Hubble uh, telescope has discovered not just uh, billions of, they're talking about billions of universes. Can you imagine? Endless. And a God who can keep all of that in order. Can't he keep our lives in order? My goodness. And, and, and we have preached faith so long we have toyed with faith, we have imagined, we have faith, we have talked and preached and, and, and tried to test it and all, but folks, it, it is time. It is time, and the only reason I can think God would have me do this this morning is that you and I get a hold of some life-changing faith that no matter what happens, somehow God will deliver his people 
and if 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 we if folks, how do you how do you explain the 16 Korean Presbyterians right now in the hands of the Afghan terror, the Taliban? Two have been murdered, and then then we say, well, you know, the fiery furnace and the lion's den—they're all delivered, and God's not appointed us to wrath. Yes, but there's the. They're two and they're dying one at a time. There are martyrs under the throne of God. Multitudes of martyrs crying out that the blood be avenged. Folks, we've got to be honest about it. We've got to be honest. I'm not going to play games with the church of Jesus Christ. You and I have, you and I have to be prepared to die for Jesus if necessary. And we will go through hard times. But if a God can... If God can keep this world in orbit and there's a whole cosmos moving in their orbits and in their places. And can you imagine a God who's named every billions of stars, every multiplied billions of stars, he's named them all. So he sure knows my name. He knows my name and he knows your name. God, help us to believe God and get a song in our trial. Father, in Jesus' name, we fight against doubt and unbelief and this cast-down spirit. Lord, help us to face the days ahead with Holy Ghost courage. And you are a strong tower, and we can run into you and be safe. We are safe in Christ. Pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, give me confidence in the days ahead. And I trust in you. And help me, O oh Lord, to cast my cares upon you. Forgive my sins, Lord. Forgive my unbelief. Come by your Holy Spirit. Lift my spirit. Put joy in my heart. And a song in my heart. Of praise and glory to your holy name. Now let me pray again for the Father, sweep over this congregation in the annex, the overflow rooms, into the balcony, in the choir loft, in the pulpit, and this whole house. Sweep over us with the gentle spirit of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, just breathe upon us now as we walk out into the sunlight of this day. Let us realize, Lord, that this is not the sun that we're looking for. We thank you for it. But, oh, Lord, we, we go into a city where... The, you are the sun. You are the brightness of the day. And Lord, you will wipe away every tear and you will strengthen us. Lord, we anticipate your coming. We anticipate the soon return of Jesus Christ, our Lord, from glory. Hallelujah. Will you now just thank him for his faithfulness to you? Lord, I thank you. This is the conclusion of the message.